0: Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Thank you, sir. Welcome, 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 welcome. That's a Clue that I have four guests today. I have a note for all of you in case you don't know this breaking news: Deloitte has been recognized by SAP as the number one global partner. Follow Deloitte on Twitter at, at @deloittesap. So, what are we talking about today? Banks. That implies something that all of you, near and dear to all of you, whether you're in business, personal life, everything. Banks, part of who we are. So, let me get started. Banks today are swimming in an ocean of data. There's a picture image for you. Trillions of daily transactions on average for some market leaders. Aging in architectures, however, make it especially challenging to filter all that data into what they need to take action. Meaningful insights. One result is that reports are loaded with indecipherable data. Oh my. Making it difficult for stakeholders to get a clear view of financial information and make effective decisions. So listen in today. I have four Deloitte Transformation specialists, professionals, they're going to explain how banks can enable business architectures and technologies that boost insights and build competitive advantage, because that's what you all want. It's all part of the vision for built to evolve kinetic banking. I've got those in capital K and B. Leveraging a clean ERP, that's what you want in the banking field, and cloud to simplify and accelerate your business. Stick around for the next hour as we explore strategies for a synchronized, straight through processing architecture to make business events accounting relevant and ready for close consolidation and reporting and those terms will re- will resonate with everybody in the finance field discover leading practices for a banking common information model and learn how a kinetic banking and ent- architecture can significantly reduce manual work across GL, General Ledger, Reconciliation, and Account to Report Activities. We have with us today Rob Reed. Rob, for the video, why don't you raise your hand as I call your name? Rob Reed, welcome. We have Raj Shivangari. Raj, wave hello. We have Mike Hamby, and we have Dan Miller. And we're going to share with you their insights on the title of today's episode, The Kinetic Enterprise, Taming Financial Data Chaos with Kinetic Enterprise banking capabilities. That's a mouthful and it's important information. And a shout out to Hasmin Bojanos at Deloitte, who was our showrunner and sponsor of the series. I'm Bonnie in the house, happy to be here. Let's go around the table and meet our special guest today. Rob Reed, you and I worked together on, I think, an SAP Game Changers radio show a couple of years ago. So happy to see you again. I don't think I even saw you because that was the pre-Zoom radio days. So Rob, would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself briefly to our audience And would you please share with us a little bit about your passion for our topic today? Rob, welcome.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, I am Rob Reed, uh, CPA and um, global partner in charge of FSI, which is financial services, which includes both insurance and banking. Banking, of course, is near and dear to my heart, uh, having grown up in the space. And from my perspective, um, this is uh, the battleground, if you will, as we continue to drive additional operations efficiencies across finance, um, it's important that the office of the CFO really continue to drive uh, efficiencies, right? And and we do so with a laser-like focus on new architectures that are built to evolve. And so very excited to talk about this today, Bonnie, and get into some additional details.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to have you here. Let's go to your colleague Raj Shivangari. Raj, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view so people who eventually see the video will get to see you. Would you kindly introduce yourself and what's your passion for our topic? Raj, welcome.
3: Good morning, everyone. This is Raj Shivangari from Deloitte and uh, I'm a senior manager with the firm uh, being business transformations and finance transformations for about 17 plus years now, uh, and for the last decade, I have been serving the financial services clients. And my passion is, you know, as I had been traveling for my clients, I see that uh, we used to hear that light travels faster than anything else, but now the real challenge that we have is data needs to travel faster than how fast we travel within this world, right? It's all globalization. And with the data traveling as fast as it is, uh, there's opportunity for innovation and also uh, new technologies to emerge, right? So that's my passion to uh, you know deep dive into that and understand what it means for the uh, changing world and how do we care to the clients and serve them better.
1: Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you, Raj. Let's go around the table. Next stop is Mike Hanby. Mike, putting you on speaker view. Please talk to us. Who are you? All right. All right. Hey,
4: good morning, everybody. Mike Hanby, managing director uh, with Deloitte, have been doing uh, ERP-based programs and finance transformation programs for uh, over 30 years. And uh, my passion today really about this is, is, Throughout these transformational journeys that I've seen is I, I've, I've seen a lot of companies work on transformation as part of the program, but really what I want to uh, express today is thinking about that continuous improvement and continuous transformation of the organization and really where that is, the value comes out of that. Cause if you, when you actually start, a transformation journey with, with a with a program, really taking that to the next level and continuing the organization transformation is really an important part. And I'd love to talk about that a little bit more today.
1: Thank you. And I love the term, I love to talk about that. Thank you. That, <laughs> well, that's why you're all here. You're not just specialists, you care about this. This is important to you. It's what you do. You talk to companies about this all the time, and that's why we value your input so much. And let's go to our fourth panelist, Dan Miller. Happy to see you. Dan, would you kindly introduce yourself, and why are you here today?
5: Sure. Good morning, Bonnie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Dan Miller. I'm uh, part of Deloitte's financial services practice and really focused on helping our clients, our, our banking and capital markets clients. Uh, transform their, their business processes using ERP solutions like SAP. And really passionate about the topic and what, what really um, I enjoy about what I do and is the opportunity to work with our customers. And, and we really are you know, helping them kind of look at the technologies that are available today we really are kind of at an inflection point where the platforms with cloud-based technologies and the scalability of those and some of the innovations that companies like SAP have, have provided are really opening up new opportunities for um, for banks and capital market organizations to engage with their customers in new ways and um, really to to kind of grow their business and improve the efficiency of their operations. And it's, it's, uh, it's exciting to see the opportunities that we're seeing in this space. So great to be here. Let's talk about it.
1: Thank you. And it is exciting to see the opportunities and that's what we're here to share those excitements and those opportunities based on the knowledge of this very powerful panel. Now is the part of the show where I've asked my guests in advance to send me a quote from a movie or TV fictional character or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic and they're going to creatively or poetically or philosophically or perhaps comedically tell us how the quote does relate to the topic in their own words. So Rob Reed, you have really challenged me. You've sent a quote with four. It's a four part dialogue with two characters in a movie. Let me just set this up. Eli Sunday played by Paul Dano, and Daniel Plainview, played by Daniel Day-Lewis. There's a lot of tongue twisters in there already. The movie is There Will Be Blood, 2007 American epic period drama film, loosely based on the 1927 novel Oil! exclamation point By Sinclair, Upton Sinclair, I was going to say Sinclair Lewis, Upton Sinclair, I got my Sinclairs mixed up. Okay, so here is the dialogue. Eli Sunday is a fiery evangelical leader of a local church, and he says... If you would just take, and Daniel Plainview is a silver miner turned oil man, says, you lose, Eli Sunday, this lease, Daniel, and Daniel continues, drainage, drainage, Eli, you boy, drain dry, I'm so sorry. Here, if you have a milkshake, and I have a milkshake, and I have a straw, there it is, that straw, you see? Watch it. Now, my straw reaches across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. (sighs) Drink. That's
2: right. How did I, I do, drink Rob? your milkshake. I think. D- I think. I think. The only thing we missed was Daniel Day Lewis's uh, tenor. I drink your milkshake, Eli. <laughs> Listen, my um, <laughs> impersonations only go so
1: far. I'm only paid to read the words, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no problem, no problem. <laughs> I, I, one of my favorite quotes, and I, I use it with. Uh, I have three boys. I use it with them at home all the time. Right. Uh, and in the and the point the the point of the quote, which i which I love is it's it's to me a quote about capitalism. It's a quote about um uh, two foes sort of uh, fighting together and and one person having the upper hand because they have better knowledge, right? They have better insight of of the geology around them, and they have better backing from the actual uh, small city and town around them. and so the the politics behind it, the information that he has. Uh, helps him to win, and this is just him rubbing it in at the end. Frankly, of I drink your milkshake is really I've won, Eli, and then and then it gets a little dark, but. Um, I drink your milkshake is is a, is a great analogy for all things banking, for all things, transformation, because it is a race, and it is a race of who has the better influence in the market, who is the person who has the better insights across um across the industry itself. And I think you're gonna hear over and over and over again that data is our oil, right? that we are that we are in fact uh, um, mining and and um Pulling out of the pulling out of our enterprise, if you will.
1: Thank you very much. Love the quote. I did the best I could, but I Daniel Day Lewis tenor. I, I'm really gonna have to practice that one if we ever do this again. So thank you very much. Very creative quote, and I appreciate the explanation. Rav Shavangari has sent us a quote. This is a little easier for me to read. This is from Vance. Van, nicknamed Wilder, you all know, played by Ryan Reynolds in National Lampoon's Van Wilder, a 2002, where we're going vintage here, American comedy film, and here is the quote, I learned a long time ago that worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> Raj, how'd you find this one? This is a gem. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> I know. I uh, Although uh, this is a quote from a movie, one of my best friends, uh, he always tells me, whenever I worry, right, he tells me that, dude, I mean, worrying is like a rocking chair. You keep on rocking, but you're not going anywhere. You got to do something about it, right? And this very much relates to a lot of our clients, where we see a lot of clients having challenges with data or be any transformation within the organization, right? There's a lot of worry, but you know, if you don't take action and if you don't take a step forward, you're always rocking and you're in the same position worrying, but you got to do something about it. So uh, that relates to my day-to-day life. And whenever my friends tell me when I'm, I'm worried, you know, I try to think of, you know, how we have been solving uh, uh, situations for clients. And I'll try to, you know, put the same scenario for myself and I'll change things are directions for me.
1: Thank you very much. We'll have to yeah. stop. You know what? You could just put a little motor on the rocking chair, move it around the room so it's <laughs> yeah. not saying, I'm sorry, that was really bad. Thank you for the quote. Very, very interesting. And we haven't had a Van Wilder quote, I don't think, ever in any of my shows. So Raj, you just... you won that. You won that accolade for you. That's That belongs to you. Mike Hamby has sent us a quote from, oh, one of our favorites, Professor John Keating, played by the late and very fascinating and great Robin Williams. The movie, of course, is Dead Poets Society, 1989. Oh my, American teen drama film. I never understood why they call it a teen drama film. To me, it's it's a very iconic, very important message movie. I don't know. It just happened to have teens in it, that's all. Uh, Written by Tom Shulman, directed by Peter Weir. Set in 1959 at the fictional elite conservative Vermont boarding school. I'm sure that description is loaded with nuances in, in today's world. Welton Academy, it tells the story of an English teacher very different from anyone, and he was used to at that point, who inspires his students through his teaching of poetry. And here is the famous line. He says, carpe, carpe diem, seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. Mike Hanby, let's relate this to our topic, please. Mike, you're up.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and this, every, every time I think about this quote, it really does remind me is, you know, go out there and do your best every day. And I think really how that relates, you know, to the topic today is, Our organizations that we work with, they should be driving toward excellence every day, and it's a constant battle, and really thinking and rethinking about how they can improve on a day-to-day basis is exactly what they should be should be focused on and remembering that yeah you know, it's the organization is not just about static and just continuing to operate it's getting better and better every day and focusing on that improving data improving processes everything that you're that you're doing it's not just about making the product that you make but improving your operations on the daily basis
1: thank you and i think these are really words to live by for all of us mike especially coming out of the last year and a half and we're still not out of the pandemic, which is a, a big wraparound term for us right now. Carpe diem, no matter who you are, where you are, whether you're in business, your private life, seize the day, do something with the day when you have the day to do something with. So I appreciate that quote. Thank you very much. And Dan Miller is waiting so patiently saying, when is she ever going to get to me? Well, Dan, this is your turn. Dan has sent us an iconic quote from Yoda, voiced and puppeteered, by Frank Oz. The movie, of course, Star Wars Episode V. That's five for those of you who didn't go to John Keating's school and don't know your Roman numerals. The Empire Strikes Back 1980 epic space opera film. Yoda, in case you've been literally living under a rock, is a fictional character in the Star Wars universe. A small green humanoid alien who is powerful with the force and served as Grand Master of the Jedi Order. And here is the quote, and this is another iconic words to live by, do or do not. There is no try. Dan, how many parents have tried to instill this in their teenagers? Get up. The rocking chair isn't taking you anywhere or the stationary bike. Dan, how does this relate to our topic? Go ahead.
5: So true. Words to live by, isn't it right? I think, you know, for for just thinking about the topic we're talking about here today and, and the clients we work with in this industry, you know, transformation is hard and especially For banks and and capital market organizations, you know, they're large, complex organizations. They have um, customers that are very, like us, that are very demanding of the kind of services and capabilities we need. And there are innovators, um, you know, fintech innovators that are always um, looking for ways to disrupt and, and provide new services. So, you know, I think for, for our clients, it's clear that, you know, they have to commit to doing, uh, you know, getting, getting things done, right? To, 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 to commit to transformation, commit to delivering new capabilities. Um, and if they don't, you know, you very quickly um, can find, find yourself as an organization um, being disrupted by uh, another, you know, FinTech provider or competitor. So to me, that, you know, just speaks to the level of commitment that's needed to, to, uh, to make, make, make transformation happen.
1: Words to live by, indeed. Thank you for businesses and for all of us in our personal lives. There is no try. I'll try. No, you won't. You're gonna either, there's, (laughs) In, in binary math, there's a zero and there's a one, right? Zero is a choice. One is a choice. It's not I choose one, I don't choose one. It's I choose zero or I choose one. There is no try. Thank you very much. In case you're just tuning in, and we are broadcasting live today on the Voice America Business Channel, we are the Kinetic Enterprise presented by Deloitte. And the topic is very interesting, taming Financial data chaos with kinetic banking capabilities. And my special guests are Rob Reed, and he spells his last name R I E D. That's how I always remember him because I think it's spelled wrong. We have Raj Shivangari with us, we have Mike Hamby, and we have Dan Miller. And we're going to take a deep dive into our conversation right now. Rob Reed, I am picking your statement number one from the four statements you sent me. I'm going to read it, it's brief and to the point. I'm going to ask you to unpack it for about three minutes, and then we will go around the table. I'll ask Ask each of your co-panelists to agree or disagree, and let's see who dares to disagree with you, Rob. That's the challenge That I Remember, gentlemen, there was no try. So here's what Rob told me before the show. Data, data, data. Finance transformation is won and lost on our ability to master and control our data. We believe the concept of the common information model, which I mentioned in my opening, is the tie that binds multiple processes and systems together into way well Orchestrated ecosystem. Rob Reed, take it over. What are we talking about here?
2: Awesome. Um, from a from an organizational standpoint, right? Uh, it is important that we align and and create what what uh, Dooley called an inclusive architecture, right? An architecture that drives capability into the core, right? And leverages edge systems, i.e., maybe a consolidation system, a planning system, maybe an analytics system for additional capabilities. Okay. It's important that we have a strong core. It's important that we leverage the edge as well. And what's what's more is um, this concept exists today, but it's not, it doesn't exist in a scalable manner. Uh, banks and financial institutions today have largely leveraged people to scale and, and continue to grow. And what we mean by that is we take data from one system, we ingest it. Maybe we have a point to point interface, but most of the time anymore, we're seeing more uh, uh, a very atrophied, very 1999 architecture across banking, where there's a lot of hand, you know, uh, um, exports and then imports into systems, manual in nature. What's important for, for the common information model concept is if all of these systems, from business event system into accounting rules engine, from accounting rules engine into that accounting hub, from then into the core and then, and then proliferated into any edge system. If we all run on the same data model, okay, meaning a legal entity in one system is always a legal entity in the other system or the way that we measure profitability and we have uh, uh, customer vendor product combos in our GL systems, it needs to be that same combination of tagging in other systems where relevant. So that common information model, one data model to rule them all, um, is our ability to get away from that swivel chair integration. It's our, it, it is what dictates our ability to um, begin taking Excel out of the picture and begin to let the, let the uh, technology actually do its work so that data flows from one system to the other, zero manual intervention. Our goal with the common information model is a touchless process from business event to business outcome and insight.
1: Thank you very much. Shock and amazement for some of the listeners. Take Excel out of the equation. Are people still using? I won't even pontificate on that one. Should have been walking away from that a while ago, but here's your clarion call from Rob. Rob, any quick comment before we go around the table?
2: Excel Excel is the number one data analytics tool across <clears throat> banks today, and we need to fix that, period.
1: Thank you. You have heard it straight from Rob Reed's mouth. Let's go around the table. I'm gonna give everybody a chance to agree or disagree. Take your time. It's thought leadership for everybody on the panel. No, yes or no simple answers. We wanna know what you think. Rajiv and Gary, you're up first. Talk to us, what do you think?
3: First of all, I dare to disagree with Rob here, right? I cannot disagree because <laughs> okay. this is something that we see on a day-to-day basis with pretty much every client that we go to, right? And when Rob talks about that common information model, there are various nuances. It's not just the applications. It's not just the point-to-point integrations that we see with the clients, but the geographic regions the geographic presence of each and every bank because most of the banks are global in nature and you know when you have to bring all these people together it is a, a monumental task for the banks to uh, have that standardization across the regions and applications right so that is the biggest challenge that we see and you know a, a roadblock for our common information model concept that we want to instill with the banks so that they can see the data the same way across the globe and also react to it the way they need to react. And, you know, uh, nowadays with everyone looking at data and want the real-time data at a lightning fast um, speed, right, if we have so many nuances uh, attached to the data and if we ca- cannot get to the common information model, it becomes uh, so much more, you know, challenging for the organizations to get to where they need to get to, right? And that increases their not just their, you know, technical debt, but also business debt because they'll have to react every time there's something that's going on in one place of the organization. So that is the biggest challenge. And slowly organizations are moving towards that common information model concept because they want to make sure that, you know, uh, they are seeing through the data across all the entities, across all the regions, across all the products, so that they're on top of the data and they're able to react in the right way.
2: And Bonnie, can I can I just yes. add real quick? I think, I think Raj made a very important, but a nuanced point when he talked about the regions. Uh, so many organizations treat data as a technology problem, and frankly it's a people problem, right? It's a where we place our investment problem from an organization and op model standpoint. The best and leading practice organizations are standing up specific fiefdoms or organizations within their within their bank to make sure that they coordinate with the regions to make sure that they coordinate across systems. And like treating treating data both as an asset and placing our investments in operation models to support that is is the key
1: not Thank technology. You. Thank, you. Thank you. Great, great point. And we always like to bring it back to people, Rob. So really good point because who are we talking about? We're talking about people in the hierarchy of a company, of organizations, of ecosystems, making decisions. Whose job That's is right. it? I always bring it back to that. Let's get the rest of the panel to weigh in here. Mike Hamby, you're up next. What do you think?
4: Yeah, sure. And I I will definitely not disagree. I'll actually add to what uh, Raj and uh, and Rob we're talking about and I'll, I'll even weave in a little bit of my my, my comment around carpe diem is, is is organizations using that common day model also you know often seize the day so to speak and make acquisitions and having that common information model that is scalable and 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 can adapt to change for acquisitions or other changes in the business new products new New ways of doing things is an important part of what to look at as you're uh, as you're building that common information model. So defining consistently at one point in time is very important, but designing for growth in the in the future and being able to adapt to the future is is very critical to continue to drive value out of the organization and drive costs down through your operations. And I think that's one thing that's really critical to think about as we look at. Yeah, you know, organizational design around a common information model, leveraging the power of data, using it for proper reporting and, and driving out the overall effectiveness of the organization.
1: Thank you, Mike. Let's get Dan Miller to weigh in here. Dan, what do you think? A lot to chew on here. We had a lot of comments so far. Where are you sitting on this? Agree or disagree with anyone? Dan?
5: Have to agree. So I guess four for four here. Um, You know, I'll add kind of a different dimension to this as well. Just you know, I think we all know banks are are a highly regulated industry, and what a lot of us as consumers aren't aware is there's a process behind the scenes um, on a daily basis where uh, trading desk has to basically close their you know books every day and get all the accounting associated with the trades and transactions from that day all the way through their accounting systems to post into the ledgers and produce a financial statement for that day on a daily basis. And so if you think about, you know, the data that has to be, you know, flow and the process that has to, you know, all the steps to get to that point to derive the accounting, to do all the calculations that are required uh, by the regulatory agencies to, to assess the risk and and value that, that asset um, requires a, you know, consistent common information model from the kind of the front office systems all the way through to the, the back office and and banks refer to that as kind of straight through processing and that and the key to that is what both rob and raj and mike we all we all mentioned it right is that kind of common core information model that uh, all the data shares so the definition of what a product is is consistent the master data associated with that is consistent as data flows from a front office into a product sub ledger and and then all the way through to the financial statements that have to be reported at the end of the day so Again, just another reason why data, especially in this industry, is, is so important.
1: Thank you very much. Rob, because we had such a robust conversation, I'm going to move on because we have a really packed house with four on the panel. So forgive me, I'm going to move to a statement from Raj now. Raj, I'm looking at statement number two. I already put it in the chat for you and let's go with this one. You say, finance organizations have started leveraging the latest modern ERP solutions to design and transform holistically with process, data, and infrastructure being the driving factors. But here's where I also want you to focus. Innovation is regularly being delivered and finance continues to support the changing needs of the business. So finance moving into a position of, yes, we have something to add, not just a bunch of spreadsheets in the basement. Raj, talk to us.
3: Exactly. And, uh, yep, know, Vinay, Wrote the statement, right? And you know, this is again the change that we are seeing. And you know, initially, in the traditional ways or conventional ways of ERP transformation, every organization were looking at ERP transformation as the technology transformation to enable their uh, you know processes within an organization or enabling the latest technology. But now, organizations are coming together and leveraging the modern solutions. When I say modern solutions, the cloud-based solutions or any automated solutions, and you bringing all of the organization coming together. It's not just finance, right? Finance, tech, and other operations coming together and designing a holistic ERP solution so that they are not doing things in silos, which would, again, I'll go back to my uh, earlier point, by doing in silos, that will increase your business and technical debt. And, Organizations are avoiding that they are doing a, a much robust and also thoughtful ERP deployments or transformations in the organizations. When it comes to innovation, everyone wants to be ahead of uh, you know everyone else in the market, and for that, everyone is thinking smart and leveraging the latest solutions that are available out there, be it automation, be it any SaaS solution platforms that are out there to uh, compete with their com- competitors. Right. So for that, innovation and change is required. Finance is ahead of everyone in thinking about those innovations and challenging in the challenging situations, and how do they help their business? And you know, we can throw a couple of examples there on how uh, those innovations are helping them. Uh, for example, automated controls and risk indicators. Uh, finance used to be data, and someone had to analyze the data to highlight any risk that you know an organization might see from the finance standpoint but now with the latest technology that's available uh, organizations are implementing these through ERP deployments or transformations where they can actually identify any risk that's coming to the organization and they can address that uh, you know uh, in a timely fashion
1: thank you very much a lot to talk about here Mike canby you are virtually sitting right next to Raj at this moment in time whether you know it or not so why don't you weigh in agree or disagree you can start the roundtable go ahead Mike
4: yeah, no, absolutely. They, I, I definitely agree. And I think to Raj's point, I, I think that there's a there's a couple of important uh, considerations. There is when your uh, when the organization is you know is creating these improvements and doing this and, and and trying to optimize, you know, automating the the routine processes is is key, and and providing some of those. Uh, the those routine processes and getting those done in a in a more controlled, more automated type fashion allows for that those value-added activities of finance and really being that business partner to to occur. And that's where you know you can get a more analytical organization in finance and get out of that bookkeeping, like you said, that back office function, really focusing on forward-looking, you know, business analytics and helping business and drive decisions for the organization. Look at, you look at, you know, potential acquisitions, look at ways to improve the business and really thinking about those. So I think what Roger was talking about is fantastic because it really does give, if you have the baseline finance structure right, it allows you to continue to grow and continue to automate and push the organization to the next level
1: push the organization to the next level. That's a nice new thing to put on. This is what your job is. This is what your role is. This is what we're counting on you to do. Dan Miller, talk to us. Agree or disagree with anything from Raj and or Mike. Go ahead.
5: Agree. And I you know, I think um, I actually worked in finance and CPA and worked in finance and industry before I um, got into consulting. And one of the reasons I, I get, you know, got into consulting to begin with and, and looking at ERP implementations is, you know, I lived it every day, just what we talked about, and what Rob talked about earlier with Excel spreadsheets. And, and, you know, we really traditionally in finance, we had to replicate data and spread marks or wherever we needed to, to analyze it. And we spent, and I I know as an analyst at the time, when I was working in finance, we would spend really the majority of our time um, just getting the data structured in the right way in in one place and maybe in multiple places and then having to reconcile it because I had it in, you know, the, the same data in 10 places, but just to get different views of it. And what we see today with with modern, you know, ERP solutions um, is that you really can, with the technology behind it, you can store, you know, things once at, a, at the right you know, granular level of detail that has all the information you need, and then get views of that same data um, from different dimensions using the power of the, some analytic platforms now. Um, so you don't have to, you know, recreate data in multiple places. It reduces the reconciliation effort. So that kind of innovation and automation and just having access to, to data in ways that we didn't have before, um, really has streamlined the financialization. It gets back to what Mike was just talking about, which is now I have the data in one place. I don't have to worry about um, you know the, the, the quality of it and the security of it. I can access it and, and really spend my time analyzing it. And then you've got a whole set of new tools, analytic tools that can be kind of embedded in my business process so I can analyze and be more forward thinking as Mike said about um, what's coming and, and help really supporting the business and helping them make better decisions uh, as opposed to being more focused on You know making sure I can close the books and, and the transactions behind that. So
1: Thank you very much. Really good conversation started. Let's add Rob Reed's POV in here Rob you're gonna round out this part of the, yeah, of for, the conversation for
2: the, for the sake of being uh, Maybe disagreeable, but only disagreeable because we're not we're not pounding the table hard enough, right? In this area, uh, finance, for all intents and purposes, is the air traffic control of an organization anymore, and air traffic control is not. Um, uh, sitting in a back room uh, receiving commands and just sort of like jotting things down as to where things go air traffic control is taking a proactive uh, capability and making sure that that all the planes land safely where possible right and you know pushing pushing tin quite like quite quite uh, in that way Um, if we if we uh, compared to a to our given bank or in a given finance organization, what that means is we need to take a more active leadership role in working with the different product owners, right, in working with the different uh, upstream processes to really ensure that those upstream processes are um, what I'll call enterprise compliant or even kinetic compliant, for lack of a better term. Um, but it's, it's that ability to reach across the aisle, right, reach further up into the organization to shake hands and ensure that, as transactions flow, right, we can air traffic control them and and put them on a runway and 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 watch, you know, basically watch that glide path and fully automate it down to the runway. Anything anything less is a losing proposition.
1: Thank you. And we don't want losing propositions anymore. Raj, I want to thank you for a really good conversation starter. I'm going to move on. I'm watching the clock. I want to make sure everybody gets to lead part of the conversation. So let's go to Mike Hanby. Here's a new look at the topic. Mike's statement number two says, regulatory compliance requires increasingly complex reporting requirements. CFOs are looking to support all of their reporting through a flexible, agile tool set. Mike Hanby, tell us more, please.
4: Absolutely. So, realistically, reporting is a manifestation of the data that you have in your system. And when you look at uh, all of this data, using flexible and uh, reporting capabilities to get all of your all of the reports out in an efficient manner into a self service, you know, user self service type uh, mindset is critical and that's what a lot of the, uh, we see a lot of CFOs really trying to drive toward. One of the nuances to that is regulatory reporting. The We talked about the common information model earlier and it, that has to support regulatory reporting because you know, a lot of organizations uh, in, in financial institutions really look at regulatory reporting as that necessary evil. But if you take it and turn it around a little bit, we see some CFOs actually starting to take re- some of the regulatory reporting that they do and try and incorporate that into their management reporting. And what that allows is two things. One, it allows you to really get a mindset around regulatory compliance and making sure that you have, you, you avoid some of those issues that regulators come in and look for and you address them through a more proactive means through your reporting capabilities but also it allows you to utilize a more standard reporting methodology across the board. So you're looking at your business through a management view that also considers that regulatory view as well. So having that mindset gives you the ability to optimize your reporting, not only through tools, but also making sure that you're tying back to your common information model or your common data model and getting your data structured properly. And again, allows you to to structure around growth, structure around efficiency and structure around scalability of the organization. So having that optimized approach really is what we see as, as kind of the root of the kinetic enterprise.
1: Thank you very much. Good starter here. Let's go around the table. Dan Miller, you are sitting next to Mike Canby right now on my screen. I'm putting you there. So why don't you go ahead. You get a chance to be the first one to agree or disagree with Mike, and then we'll go around the table. Dan, talk to me.
5: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think I see the same thing with the clients I talk to as well. I think you know, and, and if you stop and think about a lot of the regulatory requirements that, that banks have, um, they really are about you know risk and valuation, and how do they measure? How do you measure, um, you know, a, a portfolio of products or or you know the profitability of a of a customer base, and and that's you know and those same principles really apply to how you manage you know the, the organization of the bank and manage the profitability. So more and more we're seeing, um, you know, you know banks really start to look at their own operations, their own the profitability of their own business. Um, through that same kind of lens, right? So, kind of aligning how they value products, and that back to our topic of data, like like Mike said, that does require um, a common repository of both risk and finance data together, where you can assess risk and, and forecast out what um, you think the value of an asset will be going forward, and, and use the same. Um, you know risk tools and that you use for your you know for your management reporting as well. And that requires having a common information model again back to that same topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that that's shared. and 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 again, with you know the technology available to us now, we can store really product level or portfolio level data at a pretty granular level that has both you know risk and 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 uh, cash flow information that that helps assess risk along with, um, you know, just all the other attributes around that to really analyze and the the profitability of a portfolio. So it really is um, exciting times from that perspective of of the ability to bring data together, you know, in one place to serve both risk and uh, regulatory as well as as to serve the needs of the business uh, as well in one place.
1: Thank you, Dan. In one place, let's go to Rob Reed. Rob, you're sitting next to Dan. Let's talk about what Mike put on the table and and what Dan commented on. Rob, go ahead.
2: Perfect. I think uh, regulation is one of my favorite topics. It reminds me of an awesome Mike Tyson quote, right? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Um, and re- regulation comes fast and furious every year. Um, I know that regulators give us plenty of time to go implement, but um, in a world of aging architectures and infrastructures, uh, they could give us three times, four times the time. And sometimes you you really can't can't truly meet all of the needs of regulation. So what's important is is driving flexibility into our architecture, driving that that again core common information model. Don't want to beat that beat that drum too hard, but but it's our ability to use these tools together Right. In order to create that future environment that supports really any regulation coming, a great example like uh, we continue to see uh, continued regulation pushes across the Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering, as well as consumer protections. Right. And these are all things that that you might not think of in a traditional finance transformation. But but as we continue to be the aggregator of data, as we continue to be again that 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 air traffic control, where the point or the choke point within banking that all of this great data comes together and by creating a stronger architecture by creating a, a more manageable uh, data model that supports all of this, we can quickly and flexibly um, answer these regulation questions as they come, right And, and what that what that entails, is more detail in in the transactional data. It it entails more um, more ability to analyze, which is which is really a people need as well. So we really need to train up our people to be more analytical in nature, less less like data collectors, if you will. And by driving them to be more analytical and taking advantage of these new technologies and architectures, all of a sudden banking regulation changes don't become something that we're, you know, we're, we're sort of like waiting for the shoe to drop as much as bring it on. Right. We're, we're ready for that next, cha- next layer of challenge.
1: Thank you very much. All good news there. And let's go to Raj. You get the final word on this topic. Go ahead, Raj.
3: Sure, Bonnie. Uh, I, as much as I agree with uh, all three, Mike, Dan and Rob, I would like to highlight two things. One, the mindset that Mike, uh, Mike was talking about and slightly disagree, I dare to disagree, Rob, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> disagree uh, with the code that he mentioned. Everyone has a plan until they get uh, punched in the face, right? When it comes to reporting and what we see with the organizations, right, to Mike's point, the mindset, you know, the re- mindset that everyone in the organization have. In regards to reporting, is going back to the Excel macros, where they feel that they need to be in charge of the data. They need to have the data in the Excel macros, and they need to look at the data before it gets published. They don't. They don't have the trust yet with the reporting tools, right? And we see that as a common problem with any organization where everyone goes back to those Excel macros and working in, uh, uh, with the, you know, ocean of data that's available in these Excel sheets, right? They're not. Adapting to the latest technologies that are available to analyze the data for them, to look at the data for them, and provide you know inputs to what they need. And, and to uh, Mike's point on the regulatory reporting although now with the latest ERP modern technology that's available, everyone is catering to those regulatory requirements. We are still not there yet with the trust factor from the organization standpoint, where they need to embrace the latest technology that's available out there through these solutions, be it SAP or any other ERP platform, right, who cater to the regulatory requirements. Uh, So I think organizations should start looking at embracing these technologies and ease some of this through technology rather than putting more uh, you know, human bodies out there to analyze the data and, and you know, hold on to the data in the Excel sheets.
1: Thank you very much. Good conversation. And I'm going to move on. We have 13 minutes left, and I want to get a topic from Dan Miller in here. Let's go to statement number one from Dan. He says, cloud technology and PAS, that's P-A-A-S, offerings, offerings, are enabling new opportunities for financial institutions to embed their services in their customers business processes this sounds innovative Dan take us through about three minutes and then we'll quickly go around and get everybody's comments go ahead Dan
5: sure you know I think most of what we've been talking about so far is you know how does an organization a bank manage data within within the organization within their ERP platform but as at some point, we all know you know that data and they have to engage and integrate with with external customers and with suppliers and so forth. So and really, what we're seeing with with new cloud platforms and platform as, as a service, which is you know enabling a services oriented architecture, using APIs to be able to um, really embed some of your process, the bank's processes and services directly into the process flow that their customers have, especially their corporate customers. Um, and that's really creating some new opportunities um, for banks to think about their process and how, they, how efficiently they engage with, with their customers. And one, one good quick example is if you think about trade finance, where customers need to finance, you know, their receivables and, and that information has to be shared with the bank so they can price those. And, and that many times is a very manual process, you know. And so by having to be able to extend your platform and, and you heard Rob talk about, The kinetic enterprise and kind of innovation on the edge. So that PaaS platform allows you to then connect and and share through, you know, secure APIs, share that data, the data that you need to directly with the customer um, so that they can, um, and and back and forth. So you can approve those financing requests, an example of trade finance. Uh, But a lot of other use cases that we're seeing more and more in the industry, whether it be for real-time payments or uh, other ways, you know, treasury services that banks offer, especially to their corporate customers. So it's it's a real opportunity to kind of expand what we call the ecosystem um, uh, that's available to, to the banks and customers operating.
1: Very interesting topic. Thank you. Let's go around the table. Rob Reed, you're up first. Agree or disagree with Mr. Miller? Go ahead
2: agree I, I actually love this topic and this is something that we don't we don't get to talk enough about because you know we're we're so busy getting our own house in order across most most institutions that that we we forget all of the great opportunity that exists in embedding embedding these microservices um across across our customers' ecosystem. So anywhere from, from payment processing, et cetera, like each one of these presents an opportunity to add tremendous amount of value across the ecosystems of other organizations, right? And to reduce operating costs across the two. And what, um, what I've found in working with organizations across consumer products, across technology, oil and gas, every one of them wants um, more strategic banking partners, frankly, they want to reduce their, outreach and outlay from a banking cost perspective, right? The cost of moving cash sweeps, et cetera. And these are all things that, that, um, institutions of tomorrow across banking really need to start beginning to capitalize on because, um, very similar to the sort of internal battlefield that we discussed early around creating that common information model, creating that Zen garden of finance, um, that is, that is sort of well-defined and well-organized, well-managed, um, if we can help other organizations to get there and set up that same, you know, four walled Zen garden of banking and cash movements, um, I can tell you that that the first the first organization to unlock that is going to go nose up into the stratosphere from a from a growth perspective. Right. Um, all of a sudden, they'll be, they'll have the, you know, the, the big tech firms of the world, the big CPU firms of the world knocking down their door to say, listen, you're you could be my new one banking partner as opposed to the multiple partners they have today.
1: I just can't get the idea of a zen garden of banking out of my head, Rob. That I'm I'm picturing what kinds of plants would be in that garden.
4: That's that's,
2: that's actually it's actually one of my favorite CFO quotes as we talked about about this accounting hub concept. He goes yes. his, his perspective was so 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 this is almost my zen garden, right? Like this is this is where we can come and we know the data is managed, right? We know that all the processes are owned and aligned. And so I love that zen garden concept because outside of finance, like it's it's the wild west but once we once we hit that accounting rules engine um, we need to really like bring it in bring it into that glide path
1: but if you think of the definition of Zen yes, peace and calm and being centered right and, and having confidence and being quiet okay and then you add the term garden you've got growth you've got variety you've got opportunity you've got innovation you have beauty What a combination. Oh, be still my heart. Let's go around the table. We've got nine minutes left. Let's see now. Sitting next to Rob Raj, you're up next. Raj, talk to us about what Dan shared and or what Rob commented on. Raj Shavadvari, go ahead.
3: I would like to thank Dan to bring this uh, topic. Right, I mean, this is a great topic, and you know, this also helps me quote two of my favorite quotes. Right, one, data is king, that we hear at a lot of clients, and two, uh, I would like to quote from a movie Spider-Man. Right, with great power comes great responsibility. Right, and we know our financial clients; they always take the responsibility of, you know, uh, making sure the data, the data is secure. Right, it's not just their data, but also the customer's data, and uh, you know the. A topic that you know Dan had just highlighted, and you know uh, the insights that Rob had provided with the latest API Pass technology. You know it gives an opportunity and also help uh, the clients who are trying to be responsible with the data, give them an opportunity to not worry and you know create this techni- huge technical debt to try and make sure that you know uh, the data is secure within their walls. Right? This gives that opportunity to be you know uh, a, a peace of mind and. Uh, moving the data and interacting with third-party businesses or customers, right? And it's a great uh, platform for any organization to enable this innovative technology within their organization and not try to build technical debt on their side.
1: Thank you very much. Mike Hamby, you get the final word on this. And I want everybody to know we will have time for a quick round of crystal ball predictions. And I'll tell you how that's gonna work in a minute. Mike, what do you have to say about this?
4: This, uh, I agree with it I think I think everybody hit a hit on great points. I think the, the, the most important kind of summary around that is like Dan was saying you know trade finance and, 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 and thinking about some of these consumer product companies interacting with the financial institutions it does it, by having these open uh, open platforms of ERP systems, All of the the bank's customers are using these same type of systems, allowing for the linkage between those really opens up the door to that next generation of integration, Yaki blockchain technology and all these other capabilities that link and and really become part of an overall ecosystem and really tightly connects the bank to their customer base. And I think the more that we can help set that framework up and have that as as an organizational structure, the better off and more connected they will be to customers and they'll actually help to grow the organization across the financial institutions.
1: Thank you, Mike. I like the way you put that opens the door to new capabilities. You didn't say new technologies, you said capabilities. That's what you do with the technology, right? It enables something to happen, something hopefully positive and forward and growth wise. and in the Zen garden of banking capabilities. Let's leave it there. Wow, I'll never forget that one. Gentlemen, we have time for each of you to have a one minute prediction. That could be one sentence, two, three, or four, but keep it tight, please. We'll start with Rob Reed. If we met again, and I hope we will, let's say at the end of 2023, we'll keep it really tight, only two years away. I think, yes, two years away, almost two and a half years. Would we still be talking about this, about the chaos in banking and the need to regulate the data to have a single system to consolidate and to get some sanity going out of the chaos? Rob Reed, let's have your prediction, yes or no, followed by Raj, then Mike, then Dan. Go ahead, Rob. One minute, go.
2: In two years, we are working with some of the world's banking leaders right now to begin creating that zen guard you will begin to see a new a new a new type of banking emerge one that is one that is nicely controlled and owned from accounting rules engine to consolidations and you'll start seeing those come online and uh, banks who have not been driving down this path, right? Or, or those who have been a little trepidatious will start to dip their toe in the water. Things tend to move a little slower in banking, but these are programs that move very quickly uh, once we get moving. So we'll, we'll start to see the first benefits coming out um, of, of this new kinetic banking world. And very quickly, I think others will, will fall into line and get excited.
1: Thank you. One minute from Raj next. Go ahead, Raj.
3: Sure. I completely agree with Rob there and you know we will start looking at the benefits but you know in two years I would definitely say that we'll still be talking slightly about the data chaos because not all organizations are as mature as some of the you know spear heading organizations that we are seeing and working with. So we'll still have a little bit of data chaos but you know we are moving forward.
1: But not Zen yet. Mike Hamby, what do you see in two years?
4: Yeah, I, I agree with, you, uh, with Raj. I think the, the data is going to continue to grow exponentially. Uh, and, and there's going to be all ongoing battles to put all of that under control. I think Rob is, is spot on that we, we're at the tip of the iceberg. We're already starting to work with some of the, the global leaders in banking and, and putting our arms around that. I think it's important that we continue to, to lasso that data and wrangle it as, as much as we can, because that's going to be... The, the real battle in the future is getting that data under control and keeping it as manageable as possible.
1: Thank you. Dan Miller, final word, one minute. It's all yours.
5: Yeah, I think two years from now, I, I agree. I think we'll start to see some real progress and we're seeing it right now. And, and I, you know, I think there's been for the last 10 years or so, there's been sort of this vision of, of a Zen garden of having finance a risk data in one sub ledger and be able to analyze that and support regulatory compliance and, and so forth. And we really are now seeing the technology there to be able to support that vision. And we really are seeing a lot of the, the banks are working with um, seeing the value and, and taking action and, and starting to actually not try, but do and actually implement. So I think two years from now um, we'll really start to see more and more banks, um, you know, adopting and, and starting on that journey. And, and that um, I think, you know, probably not going to be where they need want to be at that point, but but well on their way. So.
1: Thank you. And I predict if we meet again to have this topic, instead of calling it taming financial data chaos, we'll be calling it kinetic banking from financial data chaos to banking Zen garden. I'd love to see. Hasmin, there you go. We're gonna do that. I have a special (laughs) thank you, of course, to Hasmin Bolianos, our showrunner, our sponsor at Deloitte, also to Natalie Butlin and Maria Recton, behind the scenes, thank you so much. And we miss Helen Tomas, who who, uh, just retired, but she was involved with the show for many years and we thank her very much. Thank you to my special guest, Rob Reed, wave your hand. Raj Shivangari, wave goodbye. Mike Hamby, wave goodbye. Miller. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you also to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at Voice America Radio, the business channel. And I will see you next time here on the Kinetic Enterprise presented by Deloitte. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.